of reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlooker should laugh at him and say, this one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle will not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. We live in an age of endless choice. We've experienced innovations in transportation and communication and technology that have opened to us countless choices that have never been enjoyed by a culture in the history of humanity. This, this is what I mean. How many of you does that cause great anxiety for? Anyone? Right? You can't even go to the ketchup aisle and just pick up ketchup anymore. But what fascinates about me about this age of endless choice is we've never been more paralyzed and anxious about it all. You can choose what college you want to go to, high school, middle school, elementary school, even what preschool or daycare to send your child to. And you're thinking to yourself, if you make the wrong choice now, even as early as preschool, you're going to doom them for the rest of the days of their lives. Making choices while buying a car or buying a house. Make a choice between cable or satellite, between Netflix or Hulu, between Apple or Android or countless other sports teams and activities and events and what to choose on the menu at a dinner, at a, at a, at a restaurant when there's a thousand choices to make. Because we're all afraid we're going to make the wrong choice. But our ability to choose from an almost infinite amount of choices, the reason it hurts so much is that because it, it divides our hearts. And it divides who we are. Because every time we speak a yes to something, we're actually saying no to everything else. And we're afraid to mess that up. And maybe we don't typically think in that way, but, but think about it. If you would choose to eat Chinese tonight, if you would say yes to Chinese tonight, that means you're saying no to the hundred other restaurants you're going to pass on the way there. If you say yes to that car you think you love, that's a no to every other car that's on that lot. If you say yes to that house that you bought, that's a no to every other house that you're stalking on Zillow. I know you do. What if I make the wrong choice? Think about someone's wedding day, okay? 
When the groom gives his yes to his bride, he is saying no to every other woman. But we're not sad about that. We don't go a wedding to a wedding and sit there in the pews and think to ourselves, how tragic. That man will never experience another awkward first date. I feel so bad for him. And the same with the bride. We celebrate with them. The yes of the bride to her groom. That he alone is the one that she gives herself to. And that he alone is the one who gives himself to her. That she holds his yes and he holds her yes. And now in their yes, they're able to freely love each other. They're able to love and experience a freedom before unknown. Unthinkable. Because their heart's no longer divided. It finds completion in giving of himself or herself to the other. In the gospel reading today, Jesus is telling us to stop dividing our hearts. And he uses quite strong language. He says this, unless you hate your own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, it's even your own life. Now, I do not advise you to go home today and say, Mother, I hate you in Jesus' name. And so it's okay. I do not advise it. This is like not the Mother's Day text you ever want to stumble upon, right? Um, but I don't want to lessen the word that Jesus uses. He, he uses a strong word. A word we don't like to use, right? Our, our kids will say, I hate broccoli or I hate spinach. And we look at them and we say, no, you don't hate them. You just strongly, strongly dislike them, right? Jesus uses this word, hate. There's those moments where our children and perhaps we ourselves have done it where we looked at our parents and we said, I hate you. I hate you. But Jesus here is saying that we have to hate those that loved us. And have loved us and are loving us. And, and those who are called to love in this ugly word that he uses, what is he trying to, to get to? It's the second part. We have to understand the last part of this verse. Unless you hate your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, it's even your own life. You cannot be my disciple. It's all about discipleship. It's all about following Jesus. If you want to say yes to Jesus, you have to say no to everything else. A yes to Jesus is saying no to all the idols that we hold for ourselves. A yes to Jesus is saying no to all the things that we put our security and trust into. For some of us, that's money. Money and possessions give us security. When I was 16, my parents bought me a cell phone so that when my car broke down, I would be able to get help. Or we spend money to buy a security system so that outsiders can't break into our house. Or we pay good money to get that car with a five-star rating because if something bad would happen, we would like to survive. And we spend money on this food that's organic or whatever other labels they put on it because we think it can save us. Or coffee. We don't even think about it. We just spend money on coffee because we've convinced ourselves we all need it to survive, to get through a day, to go on. Or even money we save for our retirement because most people today, many people today, are actually afraid they're going to outlive their money. They're going to live too long. And we always are calculating what the cost will be. And how much security is enough security. And we play this little game. Or the idol of family. That, that our father or mother are going to be there for us to get us out of a jam. To be there to celebrate us when good things happen. To be there with us when... When bad things happen and we don't know who to turn to. 
or, or that our spouse can fulfill our every desire and our every need, or that our children will daily bring us great joy and never disappoint us. If they won't, and they won't always be there for us, and they won't always bring us joy, because sometimes they're going to disappoint us just like we've disappointed so many. And sometimes they're going to hurt us because they're going to think about themselves first just as we so often have thought about ourselves first. And sometimes they're going to leave us. And sometimes tragedy strikes and sometimes we simply grow old and die. And the people we thought would always be there for us, they aren't. These things fail us. We put our security in them and they fail us. And Jesus is calling us to put our yes in Him. To put Him first. But we must ask at what cost? I mean, we've looked at what it looks like to follow Jesus over the last few weeks. What that looks like and how that experience is. But, but today we're going to talk about the cost to follow Jesus. Because this is what he says. He says, whoever, whoever does not carry his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's the cross. Nah, there it is. It's the cross. This ancient tool of torture and death. We fool ourselves if we buy into a no-cost Christianity. They would call that cheap grace. Jesus does not hide the cost. He does not try to hoodwink us. He does not try this bait and switch. He is very straightforward. You must carry your cross to come after him, to be his disciple. You have to hear me very carefully. I'm not saying you have to buy or earn your salvation. But that doesn't mean there's not a cost to the transformative power of Christ's love working in your lives. And he tells these two stories. He tells these two stories. The first is about this tower. And he says, you you don't build a tower without first counting the cost. You don't. Because you don't want to find yourself building this tower and at the end of the day, find it unfinished. Think about your own home anytime you've done a remodeling project. You always build in some extra cushion because you know you're going to have to go to Lowe's a half dozen extra times because you forgot something or something and it fit right. No one wants to have a half-finished bathroom that has a really nice-looking sink that doesn't function, right? Oh, isn't that nice? People would laugh at you. Or an army. You have an army, 10,000 troops. You're outnumbered two to one. 10,000 troops against 20,000. So you send a delegation to ask for peace. There's no need to lose the lives of your friends when defeat is obvious. Jesus doesn't want us to follow him without first counting the cost. A question we, I fear, avoid too often because we would rather carry on in ignorance. Because they think we're afraid to find out it may cost more than we're willing to pay. And we rather put our security in ourselves than in Him. I mean, what will it cost you to follow Jesus? A couple hours on a Sunday morning? A call to be more generous or kind? Maybe to do a couple acts of service every year? No. It will cost you everything. Anyone who does not renounce all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. 
The word there for possessions is this Greek word aparko, which, which has less to do with materialism or materials and more to do with your beginning. It actually comes from the, the word for like beginning. And so he's actually saying, unless you renounce all your being, all you have had since your very beginning, all you've received, your family, your upbringing, your, your things, all the things you've procured for yourselves, your success, your accomplishments, your accolades, all of that, you have to renounce it to be my disciple. But with that renunciation of all that is your being is also all that has caused you pain. Because he's calling you to renounce your failures and your sins and your pain and your suffering and your tragedy, your inadequacy, your disappointment, your tears, your regrets. Renounce it before the cross of Christ. Repent. Turn from your old ways. Be transformed by Jesus. To carry a cross and follow me. There's a man who once actually carried the cross of Jesus, Simon of Cyrene. You're probably familiar with him from the scripture readings, and as we enter into Holy Week, we always tell his story. But what struck me with Simon of Cyrene is though he carried the cross, it was Jesus who was nailed upon it. And it's Jesus who nails himself to our cross and to your cross. See, he counted the cost. He knew it wasn't free. And the father counted the cost as he sent his only son. And the son counted the cost as he gave his only life, his very life. Because he wasn't satisfied with just holding on to Mary and Joseph and enjoying a nice long life. And so he chose to act in a way that caused his own mother immeasurable grief and pain and sadness and suffering. I mean, think about Mary sitting at the foot of the cross. Think about Mary burying her own son. Jesus made a choice that brought this woman to experience pain we can't even conceive of. Because he wanted you. And you were worth the cost. To him, you were always worth the cost. We cannot cling to our former life and follow Jesus, who has given us so much. And he's calling us all to conversion. To have our hearts changed. Because here's the thing about counting the cost. When it comes to love, the cost doesn't matter anymore, does it? What would you do for your spouse? What would you do for your children? Whatever it took, right? When it comes to love, the cost doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't mean there's not a cost. But whatever it is, we'll pay it. I feel I should ask you at this point, so what are you going to choose? But here's the reality. He's already chosen you. He's already chosen you. Before he embarked on his journey to Jerusalem, he already chose you. As he was in the womb of his mother, he already chose you. He gave you his yes. And in doing so, he's freed you to truly love and to be loved. To journey with him. To go on this trip with him.
I'm going to show you some words from, from a, a Lutheran theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and maybe you're familiar with him. He writes this in, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. The cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering, which every man must experience, is the call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is a dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Christ. He continues, as we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. Thus it begins. The cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. You can't make the wrong choice if you choose Christ. But we should not be afraid of the cost because he's already paid it for us. When our hearts are united with him, it, it then teaches us through this death of self how to truly love the people in our lives. Yes, how to love our mothers and our fathers, our wife and children and brothers and sisters. But to realize they're not our source of security and hope. That alone is Christ. And he teaches us how to see these very people in our lives. And how he loves them. And he gives us a word to speak that very love to them. To share with them a word of yes. That God has given him his yes. And then he calls them too to come alongside and follow him. So that though we die, we will live forever with him. In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.